0: Hey, everybody. Welcome to The Back Room. I'm Andy Ostroy. We have Taylor Lorenz back in the Back Room uh, today, and uh, we're going to talk about all things tech and social media. But first, let me thank you for tuning in, and we appreciate you listening, and we'd love to hear your comments. So email us at backroomandy at gmail.com and or post on our social media, and we'll read some feedback next time. And if you like the podcast, please follow or subscribe, and you'll be notified every time we post a new episode. And don't forget to stick around to the end for our special celebrity closing. Taylor Lorenz, she's an author and Washington Post columnist covering technology and online culture. Before joining the Post, she was a technology reporter for the New York Times business section. She was also previously a technology reporter at The Atlantic and The Daily Beast. Her first book, Extremely Online, The Untold Story of Fame, Influence, and Power on the Internet, Will be released this October and is available for pre sale. Taylor, welcome back into the back room.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: What a busy week. So much to talk about. And shockingly, Elon Musk is not at the center of any of this stuff, or Zuckerberg.
1: Thank God.
0: <laughs> so let's talk about the obvious um, threads. Shot out like a cannon. I love seeing those notes like that's 30 million, 50 million, 100 million. And now it's slowing down and usage is down. And like, you know, it was a novelty at the very beginning. And, you know, it's going to have to work on sustaining growth like any other business. So I'm not sure if it's a bad thing that it's slowing down after a week. What's your take on that?
1: I know it makes me sad. It's slowing down. I love the (laughs) hype. I love those early days of a new social network. Um, But yeah, certainly. I mean, I think that there's always going to be this bump, you know, when a service launches um, where there's immediate growth and everyone signs up for it. But I think, um, you know, it's a marathon, not a sprint with any social app. And so we'll see how well Instagram's able to retain those users. I think they need to right. roll out a lot of features pretty fast.
0: What so, would you say are the top three things missing right now from threads?
1: Search mm-hmm. um, is key uh, and dis- discovery as well. The discovery is not great discovery mechanisms on there. Um and then a desktop version, I have to say. I mean, I don't know if normal people want that, but for me and other journalists and power users of Twitter, we really use it on desktop.
0: And how important do you think uh DMs are? Because that was a major Oh yes.
1: Yes. Important.
0: Yeah. I mean it's how we met.
1: Yeah. I mean I'm I DM as a journalist, I'm DMing people all day. Right, so I hope right. we can roll that out too.
0: Do you think that stuff is coming sooner than later? Like, this was just a um, tease to see what the marketplace is like, and wow, 100 million people sign up very quickly. And it's hard to imagine him not being able to do any of this stuff, right, with the money they have and the resources and the talent they have. So, is that, like, always been part of the plan, you think?
1: Well, I don't think that they anticipated anything like this level of success. I think it was just, like, 20 people in a room, from what it sounds like, who, you know, developed this thing. Um Now I think they're going to throw money on it. I think DMs are like not as important as things like search and discovery just because you can still DM people on Instagram and your profiles are linked. So some of that functionality. Mm -hmm. But um, no, I mean, the the problem with all of it is that Facebook has a terrible track record of releasing apps. Like they have a a big graveyard of apps that they've released. They've never released a successful product. They've only acquired products. So we'll see if they can do it. it would be a huge coup to someone
0: like you is this perceived as a new app or just a newish feature on an existing established app
1: well it's definitely a new app um i mean it's separate from instagram for definitely specific reasons i think Mm. um i i understand why they didn't integrate it into instagram i do think that like the modes of expression are really different on a text-based social platform than something like instagram um, and I think also they want you to build a new network there, right? You don't just want to follow all the same people you follow on Instagram on threads. You kind of want to build a new network. So it makes sense to launch it as a separate app.
0: And what do you think of it overall? Like, th- th- does it have enormous potential to you? And do you think it's going to live up to the early hype that it has?
1: I love it so far. I find it extremely easy to use. Um, there are some accessibility issues. Like, there's no alt text on images yet. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, so that that's definitely a problem for some folks. but. Um, And there's no hashtags
0: either, right? There's no hashtags yet? Not yet, Mm -hmm.
1: no. So, I mean, again, this is a really bare bones product that they just kind of launched to get it out there. Um, So I think they need to roll that stuff out ASAP if they want to capture Twitter users. I love it, though. I mean, just being able to share and reach people and have conversations again and share my work and share funny things. It reminds me so much of early Twitter. I'm so I really love it. I'm rooting for it. I hate to root for Zuck because he doesn't need that. But that's kind of the
0: dilemma of most people. You know, if you're rooting against Musk, that means you're rooting for Zuck. And it's like people don't want to really root for either of those dudes.
1: Of course not. No one wants to root for a billionaire. But I mean, I guess actually a lot of people on the Internet want to. But I think none of us tech reporters are Necessarily like pro one or the other, but I will say that Musk has been far more responsible with the way that he's used, you know, grown his platform. And Facebook has, you know, facilitated really horrific stuff and genocide in different countries. However, um, I think that overall, Musk has handled the platform. He's, he's handled Facebook better than Musk has handled Twitter.
0: I know from my own perspective and how I built an audience on Twitter. I see from a lot of other people that the concern is like, oh, I, I kind of have to start over because the Welcome audience...
1: to the world. What's like, that? This is like, it's, I just, yes, that is the nature. <laughs> but this is like what every content creator- But we're lazy. We don't want to do about. that.
0: We don't want to start over.
1: <laughs> Good to start over. Start fresh. You got to, you got to, yeah, I have to have a clean slate sometimes. But I, I I feel that pain. I mean, trust me, I I do. I I I saw people are boycotting Blue Sky now, and I'm like, God damn it! I just became, I just got all my followers on Blue Sky. You know, so it does feel like this sort of thing where everyone's like running from app to app, trying to you know reamass their stuff. It reminds me so much of the days after, right after Vine shut down. Do you remember that in 2016? Mm-hmm. They declared the end of Vine, and you had all these content creators that were like. They actually all went to Facebook video initially, which is in my book, which people should totally pre-order. Oh, we're going to get to that soon, don't you worry. extremely online. Um, Well, there was this moment after Vine shuttered where all these creators really, it wasn't clear that YouTube was going to be the winner because they were on Facebook video. Mm -hmm. They went on to Snapchat. And like, I think we're in that mode right now for Twitter, where all the journalists and media people and content creators are like, okay, what's the next move? You know?
0: Well, I think over the last several months you know, with Post and Mastodon and Blue Sky, and now now there's Threads. And it's like, which one of these things is going to be around for a while? And I think clearly the one with the most promise is Threads. And do you Mm -hmm. think there's an element of popularity with Threads that is just not Twitter?
1: Yeah, I mean, Twitter has gotten so corrosive and toxic and broken. And it's just, it's a poor product. I mean, even before Elon took it over, it was a broken product that was flailing and sort of lagging behind all the other social networks in terms of so many, you know, different metrics. So,
0: and yeah, you, I, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead.
1: I like threads. That's all say.
0: What do you like most about it? Like when you're on it, what makes you go, oh, damn, this is great.
1: I think I can read, I can actually have conversations with people. I mean, I just love talking to readers. I love sharing my stories and getting feedback. I love, I, I've already gotten some tips from other stories you know on threads. All of that that was the utility that right. I got from Twitter. Now when I go on Twitter, it's a bunch of like thousands of people screaming at me saying I'm a woke, you know, shill for Bezos or something because I work at the Washington Post. It's just so it's like what oh, you're with you with here. Bezos
0: now. You left Soros? I know.
1: <laughs> I guess that's my yeah. <laughs> but it's just, you know, it's 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 frustrating. And um and people aren't, just people aren't there. The people that I used to follow and, and really engage with, they're not there anymore.
0: Right. Um, it's celebrities really, have all left. It's really changed. I was never a club kid. I was never anyone that went to the hottest this or the hottest that. Twitter now is like going to Studio 54, like in 81
1: you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like you look around yeah. and
0: it look, kind of looks the same, but, and then you look around at the people and you're like, no, this is not the old Studio 54. I get really sad because, you know, Twitter was a great place for a lot of reasons. I've met some amazing people and I, I just hope that Threads can duplicate that same opportunity for people because if that thing is lost, then something really was lost in that town square. I think
1: something it's been lost already. It's gone. I mean, it's lost. Whether or not Threads takes off, it's mm-hmm. lost. And I think we'll find um, pieces of of those moments in other apps. I mean, I've, I wrote a piece two weeks a week or two ago about TikTok as the new town square, and I think TikTok is where people go for cultural commentary and discussions mm-hmm. and news content. I mean, we're all following the war in Ukraine on TikTok, right? Like, and a lot of that stuff is what we used to use Twitter for. And so I think there's just different use cases and different user behaviors are going to scatter out across these other apps. But that doesn't mean that we won't have another app where we can make friends and have fun, you know, and it could be threads. It could be, it could be something else. Mm -hmm.
0: You think there are any FTC antitrust issues with this?
1: Well, I think Facebook's tried to um, meta, I should say, has tried to sort of thwart that stuff off by building it on this, whatever it's called, you know, platform. I'm, so I literally was talking to a colleague before because I had to give an interview about this and I couldn't explain it. But you know, it's it's built on um, what is it called? You know what I'm talking about, right?
0: Maddie, do you know? I don't. I'm not. Yeah, it's a way of uh, it, exporting your users to another social media platform. Yeah, oh.
1: it's like an open. So it's not open source. It's built on this protocol, which I can't remember the name for now, that allows more interoperability between platforms. Mm-hmm. So theoretically I think that's how they're trying to get around some of the antitrust
0: concerns mm-hmm. Maddie you had a, you had a question for Taylor yeah I was curious because as you mentioned before Instagram has a very different mode of expression and since the user base when people join threads is their Instagram user base how does threads sort of put that together because everyone uses Twitter for example in a way where they silo all their political and news and and sort of odd observations and they didn't do that on Instagram and can threads square that circle?
1: Oh, yeah, I think so. And I think like, look, I mean, I think porting in that existing social network work is smart because there are people you follow. I mean, I follow tons of people for news and politics and stuff on Instagram. I think a lot of people do as well. And so maybe you're going to unfollow your weird aunt or something if she's posting on threads. But there's plenty of brands and celebrities and other people that people are interested in hear from and people that maybe were have interesting things to say and would express themselves in this capacity more, but don't use Twitter, you know? So I think that's, they're trying to capture that market as well and see like, hey, maybe text is a powerful form of expression. And maybe if we give people on Instagram, this new way of expressing themselves, more, you know, people will be interested in it if we give it to them in the confines of this new app that's not a toxic hellhole.
0: What do you think of Musk's lawsuit? I have a lot of friends who are lawyers and everybody I talk to, they're like, there's there's nothing there. There's no way he's going to- Oh, it's
1: nonsensical. Completely nonsensical. Of course not. Let's talk about the fact that like, and Facebook also owns every like patent for social networking. I mean, Facebook literally owns a patent for the concept of a feed. Like, Hmm. what is he talking? Also, he fired all those people. Right. So yeah, if you, fire, if you fire those people, many of whom you, most of whom I think they've not paid severance to, right. um, it, yeah, they're going to work and a, for other tech companies.
0: And apparently Threads <laughs> doesn't employ any Twitter no. people, right?
1: No, no. Yeah, it's a, no. It's, it it's is a
0: nonsensical case. So really important yeah. question. Do you have your tickets to the cage match yet? or uh, I'm are you reading, on the waiting I list. I want it to happen. <laughs> who, who do you think would win?
1: I don't know, and I think that's why it would be such a great match. You got the, um, you have the
0: thirty nine year old who's five foot seven, apparently knows jujitsu, but then you've got the fifty two year old who's six foot one, much heavier, but he apparently has a special move known as the walrus, which he quotes as "I just lie on top of my opponent and do nothing."
1: I don't know who would win that match, and I think that's what would make it very intriguing. And I don't think it will ever happen because I think uh, shareholders of both of their companies would be, would never let that happen.
0: And did you, I, I also read yesterday, and I, I kind of had to double check it, but he, he also challenged Zuckerberg to like a certain part of your body measuring contest.
1: Yeah, I know. I saw that tweet. That? I mean, he like literally, yeah, he's ridiculous. He's that's absurd.
0: beyond ridiculous. That's kind of like borderline sociopath. Like that's, my dick is bigger yeah. than yours? Like yeah Dude, you, your company is dying like should you be focused but it just on shows that?
1: but this just shows how fragile he is right like the type of men that engage in these types of like you know one-upmanship over like just nonsense like that it's like he's a fragile baby that's why he spends literally 24 7 online tweeting yelling at people
0: okay let's say i am bigger like now what? What does that mean in the grand scheme of things? Like, what is but his- To
1: men like that, to men like that, like, I mean, it's just toxic masculinity, right? right? Like, that's just what it is. And we know that he's, he's extremely, deeply misogynist in a lot of his rhetoric. Right. So-
0: Maybe he learned that it's... from the expert on manhood, Josh Hawley. Um, <laughs> maybe he read that in Josh Hawley's book. So back to Twitter now. In the last- couple of weeks, we've seen uh, him make more mistakes, like the temporary limits on number of posts. First was 600, and I was like, oops, 800. Okay, 1,000. It seems like he has no idea what he's doing. Are we just seeing what happens when a guy who no longer has rocket scientists and automobile engineers around him, making him look smart by building really cool shit, that he's now believes his own hype, he's the richest man in the world, fires everybody, I alone... He's like, Trump, I alone can do it. Well, now we're seeing what Musk alone is capable of, and it's really not pretty. Is that kind of a fair assessment?
1: A hundred percent a (laughs) fair (laughs) assessment. Fair assessment. I mean, I think we've... A lot of people have poked holes before in this sort of like great man theory of tech, and my book is about this as well, is that it's not these... Single singular geniuses that sort of ascend from above and come to Silicon Valley and build these products because they're such geniuses. So much of building a social product is actually user driven and it's from the users and sort of the users shape the culture. And they sort of work in this symbiotic relationship with the product. But um, he has no understanding of what it takes to run a successful social network and business. And he's clearly erratic and emotional, so highly emotional and um petty and angry and aggrieved. And so it's just, it's not a recipe for success.
0: He likes you.
1: Well, (laughs) he's obsessed with approval. And I think he doesn't like when, you know, people, especially women, report critically on him or don't defer to him. Mm -hmm. It's like, I mean, it is very Trump-esque. It it is very
0: Trump-esque. And I think the comparison I'd make is that you and him kind of have this similar type of dynamic, thing that trump has with maggie haberman like he doesn't like he he's attacking you know she's fake except jet, except but constantly seeking her Haberm- approval
1: right exactly and he, yeah that's true right and he'll give stories to maggie haberman yes. right like i know whereas I, i'm not getting any stories from Elon. trust me i don't have <laughs> any kind of relationship with with him i i don't want his I don't need his stories, and I'm certainly not going to run any kind of positive press just because he feeds it to me.
0: Right, but obviously you yeah. matter to him, in some of way. Of course, and you know him calling you a liar, liar Lorenz, basically for telling. I thought that was so funny. Truth. He's it's... trying
1: to do, yeah. Well, well, right. And and I don't know if you saw. I mean, I reached out to him, on his personal email address, multiple right. personal email addresses, before the story. Then he says, "Oh, liar, liar." And then I said to him last night on Twitter, like, "What's the lie?" You know, we're happy. We've reached out to you for comment, of course. You can't name a single lie because the story is correct and factual. Yeah, and, but you're, you're
0: getting heat from a couple. I know the Krasenstein brothers are... Yeah, Which, I, by I, the
1: way, they, they they also said this is the least factual story ever. They didn't... That, there's nothing... There's not a single thing that's incorrect in that story. The Krasenstein brothers are not themselves right wing. Mm-hmm. However, everyone else who he monetized pretty much is. Or it's like Mr. Beast who is just like a personal... Friend. I mean, the, the point of our story is that he's... He's sort of arbitrarily giving money to this circle of people who he's deemed worthy. And yes, he's used the Krasensteins as the token liberals because they're anti-Trump. But let's not forget that Krasensteins were banned from Twitter in 2019. And they're also doing his
0: bidding. I mean, it it actually is a smart move on his part because look what these guys are doing right now in defending him. It's a weak argument when you say, yeah, Taylor wrote something, and 99.9% of the people are, yeah, it, it does look like right-wing, but, but there are two right people- you know.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's like, okay, but that doesn't change the crux of the story. Right. And the crux of our story is that the majority of these people that he's monetizing have close personal connections to him mm-hmm. or are right-wing trolls. I mean, he's given money to D.C. Drano, um, Benny Johnson- Um, A a big Twitter account with 1.4 million followers. It's called End Wokeness that launches anti-LGBTQ hate campaigns. Andrew Tate. I mean, the list goes on and on. Like, to to act like that's not newsworthy because he also gave a deal to these two brothers who have a very complicated ideology. It's like, give me a break.
0: I don't understand the point of what they're doing because if I were them, And I was truly a liberal or a lefty or whatever. It's opportunism.
1: It's not politics. I would be like, yeah, that's a great
0: piece. Yeah, somehow he gave us money. We're not sure we understand it because pretty much everybody else is right wing. Instead, they took a different tack and are trying to undermine the point of the story by pointing to themselves as the example of why your story is wrong when it's 99 point whatever you want to call it percent factual.
1: Which is exactly what. No, 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 no. It's 100 percent factual, just to be clear, Andy. It is one hundred percent factual. No one, nowhere in the piece do we say that he only, only gave money right. to these people. We said they were the first to monetize on the platform, which is true. These are the first. To, if you look at the people who are first to monetize on the platform, it is, it is a lot of right wingers. We don't even say all right wingers. We just say a lot of them, and a right. lot of them are in Musk's circle. And again, this is what they're doing: is they're doing exactly what Elon wants them to do, which is go on Twitter and try and, you know, cast out on the mainstream media so distrust in journalism and now they're doing it to a more left-wing audience and i think that's a shame that they're willing to um to do that type of thing and allow themselves to be used in that way but we know i cover influencer culture this is classic influencer behavior influencers want attention they are opportunists of course this is what they're going to do
0: and that's
1: why he's and that's why he's using them
0: yeah so Let's talk about your book for a second. It is called "Extremely Online: The Untold Story of Fame, Influence, and Power on the Internet." It comes out in October, and it is available mm-hmm. on SimonandSchuster.com for pre-sale. Anywhere else?
1: It's available everywhere for presale sale Everywhere now. And pre-sales, pre-sales, are like the only thing that matters for a book. So if you think you might read it, just pre-order it. It's on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, mm-hmm. anywhere that you get Bookshop.org. You can get it from a local order from your local library. Um, I know yeah. we
0: we talked a little bit about it last time you were on but for those who weren't listening last time what is the the central gist of the book
1: Yeah and it is about the rise of social media but it's a social history of that era and the rise of the content creator industry which is not something that's been written before I think a lot of people are wondering like okay we live in this content creator influencer ecosystem how did we get here that's what my book answers and I think for anybody that's looking at the world or wants to understand Twitter, wants to understand people like the Krasensteins and Elon and stuff, you should read this book because it explains kind of that first those first 20 years of social media. And we've we've had a lot of corporate history um, come out about these companies. You know, there's the Facebook book, there's the YouTube book and the Instagram book. And I love all those books. But those are more corporate narratives and business sort of business from the inside. My book is from the user side. And, you know, how were these platforms shaped by their users? Because it's not just one great Silicon Valley man that comes down and releases these apps. It's just, it's sort of this push and pull with their user bases and wish with these
0: influencers. Mm-hmm. And how forward looking is it, especially using the internet over the past 20 years as the foundation to today's Well, you have internet. to
1: understand, that's the thing that people don't, it's like people are trying to make these predictions and trying to speak out of but They have no idea the history of all this stuff and and sort of, how it happened and why it happened. And a lot of these issues that that Elon is encountering in Twitter, again, I say that stuff about like Vine because it's like we've been through this before. There's so many moments in recent history, actually, that like, you know, there's parallels we can draw and things we can learn from it. Um, and so I think people will take a lot of that from my book. And also, I hope that my book will change the way they use social platforms and change the way they approach social platforms because I think we as users actually do have a significant amount of power over the platforms and we should wield that power collectively rather than just say oh i hope silicon valley does xyz we should pressure these platforms to be better about misinformation you know hate all the bad stuff and what does
0: that look like how do people do that in their everyday lives
1: well we've seen it really done successfully with like by big content creators for sure but i think it's joining a campaign even if it's just like a hashtag campaign signing up for something like and just being more intentional about how you use these platforms yourself right like you don't have to be on every app although i i you know i love technology i am out there but like maybe don't sign up for something maybe don't just stay with twitter because you know how this you've seen how this goes before you, you know maybe you're not going to use that app anymore maybe you're going to be more intentional about your own social media use hmm. or at least think critically and, and also just understand when you see something like the scene that's a perfect example if you read my book you can understand why the incentive structure at play and why somebody is saying that and understand these pe- the, the new media landscape, which is also what my book is about. is about this like transforming media landscape that's sort of arisen in tandem with this tech landscape. Um, and a lot of people, I think, don't understand it. They don't understand why suddenly, you know, according to Reuters, whatever it was, 58% of people are getting their news directly from influencers. They don't understand how that shift happened. And mm-hmm. so my book answers this question.
0: Do you think with threads, the way people used to look on Twitter for their news, do you think Threads has the real ability to become that same source of information and news for people?
1: Yeah, I think it has the. Uh, I think it, it could it could have that ability. I think it's. I think it remains to be seen what features they roll out. Right? You know, it, if they don't have a search bar, no. <laughs> but um, but I think it could be. I mean, people want news. News is entertainment. It's informative. You know, pe- it's going to be on every social platform. I know that these tech companies don't want it. And they like to say, oh, we're not for news. We're for entertainment. There's, that's, that's not a distinction you can make. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: And so back to Musk, this is a guy who not that long ago said, quote, with artificial intelligence, we are summoning the demon. And this week he announced his new company, which is a AI company. Well, I don't know much about it. I tried to look into it. And all I could find were quotes like, we're announcing... Formation of XAI to understand reality. Or, as co founder Greg Wang said in a tweet, they're aiming to take AI to the next level by developing a mathematical, quote, theory of everything for large neural networks. What the fuck are these people talking about?
1: I think Elon Musk is famous for his vaporware, as in, you know, talking about things and allegedly launching things that never come to fruition. So, I, I just can't even, I don't even really pay attention to him unless something actually happens because I'm still waiting for the hyperloop tunnel between, you know, LA and California whenever he <laughs> said that would be done or he said we'd be on Mars by now. So I'm, you know, he says a lot of things. I'm sure he's throwing money at this. I have no idea what it means. I mean, there's a big war in, in Silicon Valley in the sense that like they all want to control AI. Like they all they recognize AI as a powerful new tool that's going to shape the future and they all want a monopoly on that. And I think this latest endeavor by Elon is, again, just an attempt to gain market share in that new area.
0: You basically destroyed Twitter. You decimated its ad revenue by 90%. You cut its valuation by more than half. If I was sitting back and I was the bankers and investors behind the Twitter deal, I'd be like, Elon, can you just maybe fix Twitter before you start messing around with something else? Like How thinly spread can musk become
1: right but the goal of why he you know his goal with twitter is not necessarily i would argue to make it a successful business it is to dismantle the media and dismantle democracy and um you know i I think that he has sought to limit restrict speech limit the power of the press i mean the things that he has done with Twitter, I think, are very much aligned with his goals and his investors' goals. I mean, look at Mark Andreessen back to this deal, right? Mark Andreessen, who famously wants to destroy the media. That is the, one of the first thing Elon did is start banning reporters, myself included, although I'm back. But, you know, like...
0: You're the expert on this and I'm not. So I'm just going to ask what might be a dumb question. You buy it and then shut it down. You want to kill it. Kill it.
1: But no, but but that... Right. But it's... It's not enough. You're not just trying to shut it down. Shutting it down wouldn't accomplish those goals. Right. Mm -hmm. You want to give rise. You want people to question the media. You want them to question. And by the way, people should question the media. But I just mean, like, so misinformation. He wants to push a very specific political agenda and look at the political agenda that he's using. One of the biggest communication mass media tools of our generation. He owns it and he is using it to push a very specific political ideology. And that's how people should understand it. So it's, it's by the town
0: good. square, control it, decide who comes in, who goes out, what comes in, what goes out, and just change the conversation. Yeah.
1: yeah. And, and you know, I wrote a piece for Neiman Lab last year about sort of these astroturfed right-wing influencers. And you see Elon Musk minting a new one every second, you know, like um, a big thing on the right um, is that, you know, the far right wants institutional, they want to sort of maintain institutional power. They back these content creators by giving them a shit ton of money. And then they prop these people up as organic new media. And so, you know, you mm. see Musk doing that with a lot of people on Twitter, essentially giving them sh- tons of money and saying like, wow, look, you're the new media. You're the new content creator. Suddenly you're getting mass distribution in everyone's feed. This affects media narratives. This is- affects people's perception of the truth. I think I just think it's a it's a pretty high stakes thing and people should take it seriously and look at it that mm-hmm. way rather than like, oh, he's killed his ads business. Like he doesn't give a shit about right. a lot well, of if that what stuff. you're saying is and true. And
0: I think it is. And I agree with it. Then Musk controlling an A.I. business is terrifying. If his yeah. if, if his goal is to control the narrative. And shape the narrative.
1: Andy, the only thing I'll say is don't worry about it too much because he's so inept at so many of these business <laughs> endeavors that who knows if it will go literally anywhere. But who's so this Greg Wang out. guy?
0: Is he smart? Like, is he, he's a co-founder. Like, who are the 11 other yeah. guys that are involved?
1: They're smart. They're smart. I mean, you got smart people. You got very smart people. I mean, he's but got again.
0: Google people. And I mean, there's a, a lot of people that are coming out of, you know, like a deep mind, open AI. I don't know these companies, but from what I read, they're top companies in that space. And so he is hiring sure, but- experts.
1: A hundred percent. And he has the money to do that, right? Mm-hmm. But he hired a lot of experts for a lot of his other companies too. Right. And we have not seen a lot of those products come to fruition. You saw the cyber truck, you know, it's just like, who knows, right? Like he can, he's, he's very erratic and unpredictable. When you
0: think about the conspiracies that he's been involved in, whether it's Pelosi's husband and helping to spread that, AI has a lot of capabilities that are dangerous, and, mm-hmm. you know, I would imagine it wouldn't be too difficult for him to do other stupid, dangerous, conspiratorial things of that nature. You
1: know, this is why, this is why, Andy, we should not have a tech landscape dominated by maniacal billionaire men. Right. Like, we shouldn't, we, this is a bad.
0: Well, quite honestly, is- maniacal billionaire <laughs> women wouldn't be too great either.
1: No maniacal billionaires. Probably not as bad. Any but... gender, and it's also like a hundred percent. And also, yeah, it's it's really not even about gender. Although I do think that there's an element of to- toxic sort of like masculinity. But oh, absolutely. We could have a toxic. We could have a toxic girl boss as well, and I would be against that as well. Um, I think we just need people in power in these tech organizations that are more responsible, and we need a less profit-driven social media landscape.
0: Switching gears for a second, uh, got big earnings coming out next week. All these tech companies are going to be reporting. Amazon just finished and wrapped up two days of Prime Days, which it says is the best they've ever had. $13 billion in a couple of days, up 6% over last year. Do you think it's going to be a good week for these companies in terms of reporting?
1: Yeah. um, I know the Amazon thing is crazy, Um, just that it's still I mean, that's that's, yeah, that's a lot. I don't know. I, have I bought no a TV we'll today see. actually
0: because it is still going on. I, I saw something and I said, "You know, you could still get deals." And I was like, "Oh, really?" So I bought a forty-inch, forty-three-inch TV for like hundred and fifty bucks, which is insane. Um, wow. So there are still deals going on. It seems like this earnings season is going to be pretty huge for these companies. From Meta, Snap has had a good run the last two, three weeks with its stock. I don't know if that's tied to anything substantive in terms of the company's performance. But it just seems like we've entered a new round of positive performance by these companies.
1: Yeah, I'm eager to see kind of how it shakes out.
0: And there's a court ruling recently restricting the Biden administration from contacting social media companies. Do you have any particular thoughts on that and whether or not that's going to hinder the administration from stopping the spread of misinformation and conspiracies.
1: Yeah. I mean, look, I don't love the idea of the government deciding what is or isn't misinformation. I think as a reporter, you don't, I don't trust the government and I don't trust these big tech companies to be the arbiters of truth because we, as we know from our reporting, they often lie. Um, So I think you know, I, I don't think it's as bad as people are saying. I think actually a lot of it was really well intentioned, you know, trying to flag like anti vax mis- or you know, COVID misinformation, mm-hmm. as, as I understand like what a lot of that was about. Um, you know, I don't know that that's their role to begin with. Mm-hmm. I think that these, these companies need to build a better way of policing misinformation so that they're not relying on someone at the White House to email them, mm-hmm. you know?
0: And you wrote a piece recently on the boat jumping challenge on TikTok.
1: It's just people jumping off boats and which can be very dangerous if you jump off a moving boat jumping off a non-moving boat is totally fine uh when you jump off a moving boat um you know you can hit the water really hard and it can, and you can break your neck it can kill you and uh, unfortunately it has killed many people and um the today show which speaking of the media spreading misinformation just flat out lied about this challenge and said that it's a ch- it's not a challenge it does not exist and i traced it back to this single comment from a guy in um uh, in alabama who just made it up and also was spouting a bunch of other conspiracy theories this man has no idea what he's talking about there's absolutely no evidence that any of this is tied to tiktok and um once again the today show is lying about a teen trend and i just don't know how many times they have to lie about things for people to hold them accountable it's ridiculous and people are like why do you care so much oh you're defending tiktok i defended a lot like i did i spent literally years debunking these fake youtube trends all of this matters because parents get extremely freaked out. Mm-hmm. You're terrifying parents who believe this to be a TikTok trend, and people miss like people don't focus on the real issues, you know, that we should worry about, which is data privacy and all the other horrible ways that our children are being manipulated on the internet. It's not the boat jumping challenge.
0: It's an interesting point because everyone seems to be yapping about China and TikTok. Don't oh, go on TikTok; they're going to own your information. I don't really understand a lot of that because it's like, oh. I, what do I have that it would be so valuable? The average person, what do we have that's so valuable? They don't to China, need, they, don't, they don't need. Right? They don't
1: need. They don't need TikTok to get our information because of our lack of data privacy. They can get it from from third parties right. from via Facebook. Like they, our data is so exposed, and it's in these political parties, especially the right's interest to make China the boogeyman instead right. of focusing on comprehensive data privacy reform, which would actually protect us from all state actors. Well, the right? stuff which you were talking
0: about it? before, you know, TikTok and social media in general, how it impacts our children, that's real. That's tangible. The, the, the China stuff just seems like a lot of hyperbole for political reasons like you're, you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, Dr. Roxy, are you familiar with this whole situation? Yes. What is wrong with our society when a plastic surgeon decides like, she should live stream operations? She lost her license, her, her medical license like if i was that person on the table i wouldn't be feeling very comfortable that that doc no, over no. here is paying attention to my body you know it just seems like we've Absolutely. lost our way in society when this stuff becomes popular
1: yeah i mean it's i think it's very dystopian and depressing um i mean plastic surgeons in general had a relation they have a deep relationship with social media this is where they cultivate their client base also, the rise of social media has been a huge boon for the plastic surgery industry, right? Everyone wants to look like their Instagram filtered photo. So um, it's kind of unsurprising. I'm actually surprised that we haven't seen more of it because it's especially TikTok Live, the growth of TikTok Live, people really want these real experiences and entertainment. And I can see why something like that would be compelling. If it's a peek into something that you normally don't get to see. The reason you normally don't get to see that is because it's a safety issue.
0: Hmm. So. Yeah, there's a lot of, interesting, crazy stuff going on out there in the world you travel in. So it's it's great to have you on to help us make sense of it. And we look forward to you coming back next time.
1: Thank you. Pre-order my book and then you can make sense of all the creation. I just did. The, the,
0: <laughs> the book <laughs> oh. is called Extremely Online, The Untold Story of Fame, Influence, and Power on the Internet. And you can pre-order it everywhere. Everywhere you buy books. Amazon, wherever. Thanks again for coming in.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me.
0: Take care. Oh well, this is pretty amazing. Elon Musk just stepped into the back room and he's going to he's agreed to do the closing. Uh thank you. Uh, that, uh so 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 that's episode um that's episode 95. Um I'm a genius. Um so if if you like what you heard um and even if you don't, then just shut the fuck up because I don't like criticism. So there's a couple of people I want to thank. Um Elon Musk. That's that's me. Um let like to thank myself because i'm a genius um this episode uh, uh, taylor lorenz um maybe you've been following the feud that we've had on on twitter i called her a liar because she spoke the truth um and so uh i'm a genius thank you maddie Rosenberg, producer guy and, and does the board um jenna mood um crooked Langale. yeah she did something good for the logo and sandy hollander guy made i don't know made some music uh, uh uh patricia wind the epicurean uh maybe i should just buy it i'm gonna buy this epicurean and shut this podcast down anyway uh that's it just come back next week don't come back who gives a fuck i'm a genius did i say that already uh, I'm, I'm a genius